it's good to ha- good to see everybody this morning. Um, we're gonna study uh, start to stu- a little study on the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure exactly how long uh, we'll how much time we'll spend in it. It'll be pretty spirit led, so we'll just uh, figure that out as we go. Um, but uh, to get us sort of started this morning, how many of you were in the early service? Okay, so when, while I was reading the gospel reading from Matthew 10, um, was, was there any part of that that jumped out for you? Like, you know how sometimes uh, the Holy Spirit does this, I think, with the Word, is that you can read something that you've like read for a million times, and then all of a sudden you read it and, you, and something goes whammo, hits you right in the face. You ever have that happen? It happens to me when I'm up front reading. And when it does, I find myself wanting to stop right there. But of course, that would be entirely inappropriate because the church service would go longer. And then Pastor Coleman would have something to say about that later on. (laughs) So anyway, but while I was reading, a question popped in my head that I could not escape the question. And it stayed with me all the way through the sermon. So I couldn't even concentrate on the sermon because this question kept popping in my head. And the question was, how many sparrows? Right? Do you know the reference? Yeah, what does he say? Are not two sparrows so for a penny? And then he says, uh, you are of more value than many sparrows. So I just want to know how many. How many sparrows? Because if a sparrow is two are sold for a penny, that's that's a fifty. That's two times for a penny. So how many pennies are you worth to God? We can assume it's more than two. You what? We can assume it's more than two. Yeah, that's so gratifying. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and then and then I was thinking, why pick why pick sparrows? I mean, I would like to know if I was worth more than the majestic eagle, you know, something that was a little bit more grand, but a sparrow. So anyway, I'm just letting you know that sometimes this happens is that you can be reading the word and this probably maybe this happens more often if you read it out loud or if you hear it out loud, is that God's spirit is not just you. okay? it's God's spirit says, I want you to pay attention to that. And so what I have found is, is that there are times when you can actually dwell on that or meditate on that phrase or that word or that whatever uh, concept and let it take you through your week, okay? Let it be something that you actually respond to the Spirit and, and let it be something that just sort of kind of weaves its way through your day or weaves your way through your week, and it takes you back to the reading that you heard or that you read at the previous time. And it's amazing to me how often there's something will happen in the days ahead, and I'll go, oh, oh. Now, this one probably will have something to do with me getting a big head and thinking that I'm all that in a bag of chips, and then I got to remember that uh, I'm really actually worth more than many sparrows. Okay, that's that. That's going to be the way that God reminds me of that. Yeah, Carl. I read that a different way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> God's sitting there saying, you know, you're so valuable to me, and yet I care even about a sparrow. 
So, yeah, yeah, Carl, I'm not, get, I'm not quite getting this, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I care so much about a sparrow. How much more would I care about you? I created you as well. Well, that's a good point. I just can't get that sparrows thing out does of my head. Does he care about an elephant more because they're bigger? Yes, that would have been way better. That would have been way better. Now, the other part is that he knows how many hairs are on your head. Now, that one is very, I, that one's very, that's very cool because that means that God takes a very special interest in you. So another way of thinking about that is, is that um, every single time you comb your hair, probably some hair falls out of your head, right? Probably so. Okay. So then God, with all the things he has to do, takes time to subtract the number that he already had in his head of how many hairs you have, he stops what he's doing in running the world, and he says, okay, i got to go over here, and i got to uh, change that number. And then if you're adding hair to your head, like is very popular today among you know some people, is you can take these things and it makes it pop out. So then God has to add. So see, the point is, and Carl, your point is well taken is that, that God is not indifferent. You know, there was a theory way, way back in the, uh, uh, in the 1700s in America in, in particular among many people who were very learned people. They, it was called the clockwork theory. And the clockwork theory was, was that the view of God was, was that he created the world and then he just stepped back. He's like he created the world, he wound up the clock, and he stepped back and he just let God let the world do its thing. And so God was there, he was ever-present, he was, he was always there, but God did not intervene. God did not have a particular interest in people other than that people don't destroy the world that he had created. That was about it, okay? And, of course, we're doing our best to try to do that, aren't we? But, but the point is, is that, see, that's way different than what this is talking about. What this is talking about is that God has a particular interest in each of us and the uniqueness of us and that that's part of his cre his creative activity so i just think that's the coolest thing when you think about that but i'm still sort of stuck on this sparrow thing so i'm going to try to work that out of my system and maybe i'll let you know next week if i've been successful at that okay so we're going to talk about uh, for the next week or two or three or seven or how many um, we're going to talk about the holy spirit so what would help me a lot is what would help me a lot is for you to sort of convey to me what is your interest in the Holy Spirit? Um, what, is, what is it that you want to know about the Holy Spirit? And then maybe on some level, what, why is it that, that you might have an interest in the Holy Spirit at this point in time in your life? So if you could help me, then what I can do is shape our lessons kind of around those uh those concerns or or those uh uh you know questions whatever it might be so that would help me out a lot so so uh help me help me okay yeah so what what is it you want to know about the holy spirit anybody yeah austin for lack of a better phrase how do you turn out all of the static tune out all of the static yeah i just hear it hear it the, the spirit. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good. There's question. way too many. Right, like, I could have a bad frequency. 
We should talk to your parents about that one. So, yeah, okay. So, how do you discern? And you'll have to tell me if I'm getting what you're saying. Okay. How do you discern the, I'm going to use the word voice of the Spirit from all the other messaging out there? Is that, is that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. The voice of the Spirit uh, from the other voices that are out there. That's a great question. Good. Excellent. Okay. Yes. Should I pray specifically to the Holy Spirit for guidance? Should I pray to the Holy Spirit yeah. for guidance? Okay, that's a, that's a good one. Pray as opposed to God. Jesus. Well, you pray and, Jesus sometimes and God, but yeah. should I, you know, if I have specific questions, should I pray to Him? Oh, yeah, guidance? sort of like if you had specific questions that may not apply, I guess, in some sense. Okay, pray to the Holy Spirit. Okay? All right, good, good, good. Um, yeah, Marla. To me, the Holy Spirit is the most mysterious. Yeah. Like I know, you have an image of God. You have an image in your mind of Jesus. Right. But what's that image of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. You, don't, you just don't know that much about it. So I'm yeah. like, how do you... That kind of builds on this a little bit. It, um, so, but you use the word image. So, is it like imagery of the spirit? Is that what you're? How, how, yeah, yeah. How do you connect with it? Because when you don't have an image, for me, if, if I don't have an image of it, yeah, it's like how how do I? No, I'm connected with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it is kind of hard because the imagery of God is Father. You know, I mean, for better or for worse, some, for some people that's not a very happy image, right? But it's still an image that you can say, okay, that's what that looks like. And then God the Son, I mean, that's Jesus, so we can kind of see that. But when something is described as a spirit, it's sort of invisible. And it's spooky in a way. I mean, really... Well, okay, we'll we'll go with that. It is mysterious, and it's kind of like you don't see it, you don't feel it, but you can tell by what happens that it was there. Okay? Yeah, Tim. Okay, Holy Spirit versus our conscience. Our conscience? Yes. Oh, do they, are they synonymous? Do they work with each other? Does one guide the other? Okay. Conscience and Holy Spirit. Okay. Would some, by the way, would somebody write this down, these down for me? Would you do that? Because you know we have some people that will come in here later and erase everything, and then and it won't be me, and then I I will not remember. Would somebody do that for me? Yeah. Yeah, Mary Joe. Along the same lines, Tim. But um, the Holy Spirit in my soul, and how that connection. With my spirit and my soul, the Holy Spirit. So, kind of the role of the Holy Spirit. So. Yeah, yeah. And we don't hear enough about our soul and uh, the connection with okay. the Spirit. Yeah, I'll just add that to this one here: Holy Spirit and your soul. Yeah, the hymn today that we sang during communion was sort of hits it that way. It is well, it is well with my soul. But we don't really people today don't 
often talk about it in those terms. Okay, so yeah, yeah, Peggy. Well, I think you're dancing around this and most everything we have up there, but I brought this up before, and it's, and it's not necessarily the noise which you're talking about. Yeah. Trying to distinguish from the noise. Just the feel of the Holy Spirit. Because I read so much about some of these people that have studied this or lived this and talk like they, they feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I just can't reach that point, and it bothers me. Mm. And so even if you're in a very quiet room with no noise, <laughs> how do you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit? Like some people seem to say you did. So it's 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 what you're talking about is is it is it his presence or is it human emotion or is it both and at the same time? Okay. And he is, from what we understand from scripture, he is in me. Mm -hmm. He's in my heart. Right. He is present. Right. He is God. He's equal to the Son and the Father, and yet he can. And, and two, I feel like there's not a lot. Not here said about the Holy Spirit, as there is the Son and the Father. Yeah, in in Lutheran world, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit very much. We talk about Jesus, and yeah. But when you get into reading about what we're going to be studying, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. then it's it's all those things that I don't feel like I feel like I, I want to feel. So I think sometimes, and this is probably why we don't emphasize it all that much in like our denomination is because there are other denominations where the emphasis is so much on the Holy Spirit and feeling his presence that it makes you think well if I don't feel it I must not have it and that's the sort of inference that comes from that sort of emphasis so we can we'll be able to talk about the difference between an objective view and a subjective view subjective has to do with how I feel what my experience is, that kind of thing, where objective has to do with what the Bible states as being truth. So could you have something and not feel the presence of it? Yeah, see, and so that's the dilemma, I think. I think we wish sometimes we would feel it, but some of us aren't as feeling as other people are. So there's a certain wiring inside that you know, there just is. It's just some people are like all over the place. And then others like me are kind of like this. So there is just that sense of how can I have certainty of the presence of the spirit in my life, even if I don't feel it. Okay, great question. Yeah, Amanda. So, a little deeper on feeling, but what can I learn from the Holy Spirit? Because it kind of plays into your, your one being, which is then when do I draw upon Maybe we could sort of say the gifts of the Spirit, and then how is that different from what the Bible talks as the fruit of the Spirit? Because that's two different things. Okay, what'd you say, Marv? baptism of the spirit oh now we're going to go there right okay all right so what you're also wanting to know is what is taught in many mostly of the pentecostal churches and charismatic churches as baptism of the spirit 
And what is that? And is that separate from the baptism that we have when we when water baptism? And so that's that there's a distinction there between where our world as Lutherans comes from and where a more Pentecostal view takes. So we'll talk about that. Good. There was a book I was introduced to, and some of you may want to look it up and read. I've gotten halfway through it. But it's called The God I Never Knew. Uh-huh. The God I Never Knew. It addresses many aspects. It was written by a pastor, many aspects about the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know that the background of the denominational lens that the pastor is looking at it? Um, I can tell you. It's Robert Morris. Robert Morris. He's the head of Gateway Church. Gateway Church, yeah. Oh, sure. Bringing in other resources (laughs) while we're having class. Oh, Pat. Oh, that is so sad. Okay, you know what this means when it comes to that lesson? Yeah. It'll be awesome. I won't be here, but of course, you can can do it. It'll be good. Yeah. Okay, so, so... that, so it's just that, see, one of the things you have to always have to do when you read uh, a book by an author, anybody, that's uh, dealing with spiritual aspects, even biblical stuff, you want to make sure you know what the lens is through which that guy's writing it. Because that lens might reflect a different lens in terms of how we look at it. Now, it's not dangerous or anything like that. I just want you to be discerning about it. So that you can say, just because somebody says that they're Christian, which I know Robert Morris is, um, it's got a little different slant on it. And discerning means that I can see that and I can appreciate it for what it is. I can glean from it what is helpful, okay? But I also need to be aware of the lens of my own uh, faith basis versus the lens of somebody else's. And see, it takes work to do that. And for a lot of people today, that's too much work. There's a there's like a uh, a biblical laziness when it comes to that. The assumption is, well, they're all Christians, so they must all be the same. No, that's not true anymore. So part of it is to be is to take the time to do that. But uh, great, I'm glad that uh, you guys are reading some different things about that. Yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get around as many different people as I can here, Eddie. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit is God's voice. Okay. And uh, I like maybe uh, the Holy Spirit communicating to the prophets or the items of the Bible. And so oh, yeah. Okay. So. And also, do we achieve praise in the Holy Spirit? Or what is the connection there? So direct communication today versus how it was in the apostolic age within the in the New Testament. Okay. Okay. I, I know what that means. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Maxie. How about a discussion of the history of the Holy Spirit? You know, in the Old Testament when it came and you know, they visited yeah. different people and then also, when the Lord came, uh, it descended from heaven, you know, uh-huh. from baptism, then, and then leading up to Revelation, where is that the restrainer that leaves the earth and allows the Antichrist to come into power? I mean, I don't know what's in that moment. Yeah, I think we could cover that in a day or so, you know, something like that. <laughs> okay. 
So it's sort of looking at the historic aspect of it, um, and then um, what would be the implications of that for us today. I mean, I, all of these, we're always going to include implications for us today, so we wouldn't have to, like, specifically say that, because it, it, again, a lot of questions uh, a lot of people have is um, how the Spirit operated in the Old Testament, and in particularly the book of Acts, is does he still do it that way today? And some people say that it was limited to um, the way the Spirit directly like talked to people, like with boom, voice. Or was that just for that day and age, and now he works primarily or almost exclusively through the Word, uh, the written Word, as opposed to a direct communication? Because a lot of people today will say, I felt led by the Spirit too. Okay, or God's Spirit told me to. Okay, and it's hard to discern what was that the Spirit, or was that some other Spirit, or was that just something that you wanted so desperately that you thought of it that way and then put the sort of seal of God's approval on it by saying it came from the Spirit? See, that's that's that discerning part that uh, probably would be good for us to, to talk about. Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm trying to sort of capture what you what you said. So is it that you're asking if the Holy Spirit does that, or are you asking how the hell is that? Okay, well, actually, I like that what you're what you're saying about that in terms of, and again, it's a little bit of thinking about the implication of it for today, which we're always going to do that. But in specifics, it would be sort of like um, spirit-led gospel sharing or something like that. Okay, gospel sharing. Gosh, I've just about filled up the board here. <laughs> kind of surprised that, that but you, I'm glad you have a lot of questions. I'm glad I asked because otherwise I, I don't think I would have known. Yeah, Carl. Uh, to add to the gifts of the Spirit, each of us is given gifts. Which one is our mind? What, Say that again. What did each you? one of us is, is graced with God's given gifts. Yeah. Which ones are mine? Oh, okay. Yeah, but you think there's only certain gifts for granted? No, if we look at the gifts of the Spirit scripturally, there's over 20. And each of us has been given certain gifts and stacked right differently with different strengths to, to fulfill the church and to fulfill community, our community, etc. Some have evangelism, some have pastoring, some have teaching, etc. Now there's a fine line between gifts and talent. 
Yeah, you call them talents. Yeah, we can kind of talk about some of that. I'm I'm always kind of a little confused about that too. Like, what is your talent, and then what is your skill that you have honed? What is a gift? So we we'll be able to talk about though to to sort of distinguish between it, and and then to walk away feeling like. Well, that, but also, what what is it? I mean, what is it? Um, and because there are some people that say, "Oh, God skipped over me that day." <laughs> really, you cannot prove that biblically, so don't even try, right? But that's that sort of humility that, oh, everyone else is better than me. So we, we we'll dispel that right away because because everybody does have gifts, okay? Um, but you know, some some of them are. Uh, the timeliness with which you use that gift also is part of the usage of the gift. So very good. Yes, Nikki. I'm going to go there. Why does the Bible say that the one unforgivable sin? Oh, Nikki, I know. know. (laughs) Because everybody's afraid of that one, isn't it? The unforgivable sin. Why the weight is there? Why is that the unforgivable sin? Yep, the unforgivable sin. And what is that unforgivable sin? Rejection or blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's it. Rejection of the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, just don't do it. (laughs) Okay, all right, what else? Anybody else? Yeah, Marla. I just want to go back to something Peg said and and you said. She said that she doesn't, it bothers her that she doesn't feel sometimes the Holy Spirit. My word. You, you uh, exude the Holy Spirit. I hope to be, I hope to have your faith. It, it leaks from you, truly. And I don't think it's not that that some people are less feeling than others, because you're not. Um, I think it's that some the Holy Spirit just lives strongly in you, and you do not recognize it because it's so natural. I, I hope to be you someday. You know your Bible. I've always wanted to tell you that, and I just could not go home without saying that. Many sparrows. Just think, many sparrows this week. Okay, okay, that's going to apply. Yeah, there you. Well, it's true. Yeah, yeah, it is true. Well, are we sure about that? <laughs> Maybe she just wanted to say that. <laughs> Recognizing spiritual warfare. Ooh. Being able to armor up and work with the Holy Spirit. That would really, the implication of that today is huge. Because a lot of what we say is a societal thing or a social thing or whatever. Spiritual warfare, yeah. Good, 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 good. Let's see, number 12. Okay. I'm going to have to write tinier now. Yeah. Yeah, Mark. Uh, I'm thinking about the responsibility, okay, of the Holy Spirit. Reflection on that. Father is yeah. responsible for creating. Yeah. Jesus is responsible for saving. Yeah. It's like the Holy Spirit is responsible. Yeah. Holy Spirit is responsible. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a big You know, the three persons. It almost looks like stuff. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 
Like yeah, they're separate and yet they kind of work together on some yeah, things. They, exactly. Yeah. Just like a team. They work yeah, together. That's right. That's right. So we're actually going to cover some of that today is sort of um Holy Spirit uh, 101 sort of stuff in terms of what the at, what is the work of sanctification? What is that? And so uh we'll actually cover some of that today. So but but um in a broader sense are you saying that it's what does that look like maybe in each of these? Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll pull that together. Okay, one more. Anybody else have one more? Because I've almost like run out of ink. Yeah. Any more? Any more? Wow, we have totally exhausted the brain cells of this group. That's excellent. Yeah, until the next thing. All right, good. All right, well, let's let's take a look then at uh, at the lesson for today. Um, uh, whenever you talk about the Holy Spirit, it's it's not a good idea to talk about it in terms of a, a vacuum. So we remember, and this is sort of again basic stuff with a lot for a lot of us in in our faith walk and and uh, and the learning that we've done over the years is that the way that God presents Himself is as Trinitarian. So the word Trinity means three in one, right? That's that's and so this image here that I got from the Catholics, they that really depicts it quite well. Is that God is the centerpiece here. And that each person, so-called person of the Trinity, is God. So the Father's God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God, right? So they are all there, but it's not three gods, it's one God. This is what we always uh, uh, talk about and confess in, in more in the, what's called the Nicene Creed than we do necessarily the, Apostle, the Apostles' Creed. But they're also distinct from each other in the sense that the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father. So they are distinct from each other, and yet, like like Mark pointed out, they they function together as well as functioning in a separate way. So when we talk about the things that we're going to talk about in terms of all these uh, these questions, the great questions that you have, is that it's always going to be in the context of the other two. It's not just the Spirit by Himself, because at the same time, that in terms of Genesis one, for example is that it talks about God as Father, Creator, but it talks about Him as the Spirit hovering over the face of the waters. So it's not exactly like you could just say that God the Father is embodied in a human. That would be Jesus. That would not necessarily be God as, as Father. So again, this is a, you, I'm sure you probably have seen images like this or, or graphics like this to, uh, to describe that. So let's get into... Uh, the next, uh, the next page. So the work of the Father is Creator, the work of the Son is Redeemer, and the work of the Holy Spirit is what's called Sanctifier. So we'll just walk through the notes here a little bit. The process of sanctification is to make something holy. So in other words, is to make unholy people holy. That's what the whole idea of the Spirit is. So you think in terms of, well, what does that mean? I mean, what does that look like for unholy people to become holy, and then, then what does holy look like in the life of the holy person? So the holy, how the Holy Spirit works is through means or vehicles by which he creates saving faith in Jesus for people. Saving faith is what makes people holy. So the Spirit causes people to believe in the promises of God. The means through which the Spirit works faith are the Word and the sacraments of baptism and Holy Communion, okay? 
Now again, I'm, I'm giving you this through the Lutheran lens, right? So if you talk to someone of another denomination or someone who is of the other denomination that's called non-denomination, right? Um, they're going to have a different lens. And particularly where that lens uh, departs from us is in the question of sacraments, okay? Um, everybody, almost everybody in Christendom agrees with the idea that God's Holy Spirit works through the Word, okay? But where the line of, of division comes is in terms of the belief about what sacraments do. Are sacraments an act of obedience on our part in response to God's Word? Or are, is it a sacrament something in which God's Holy Spirit does something? And that's the line of, of, of division between where Lutherans are and where almost all of Protestant Christendom uh, is, and including Catholics. Yeah? Where does confession and absolution fit in here? Because, I mean, the confession is us, but the absolution part is well it, it the Holy Spirit certainly works through confession absolution because what is it you're doing in absolution is you're sharing the good news of God's forgiveness so so the word is at work in confession absolution so I mean actually Luther he considered uh, confession absolution as a sacrament itself okay he did but it's there, there's not necessarily visible means in, in confession absolution like you get baptism with water and communion with um, bread and wine. Yeah, Josh. Can you speak louder? Yeah, I'm going to try to repeat what he's saying okay. because I can barely hear myself. Okay. okay. You could, and I like that terminology, that, that, um, uh, that sanctification, which is like a big holy word that we use not much in the church, okay, is the idea of it is is to reshape me into the image of Christ so that then even as Jesus is in me already is that it leaks out, is that the thinking of the, that, I, that, that my thoughts are reflective of Jesus' thoughts, that my actions are reflective of Jesus' actions. I, I love that. That's really a great way to describe what sanctification is. Okay, so good. I'm sorry. Excuse me, James. Did y'all catch that? You didn't hear me? Man, I'm talking as loud as I can on that. So, Oh, his question. He wanted, he wanted to know what I said. I am the interpreter here. All right, he's 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 got he's a quiet guy except when you get him in the gym, then he's yelling at you. Okay, so um, so basically, what he's asking is, could we define sanctification as um, a shaping that the Spirit does to reflect the image of Christ in me? Okay, that's did I say that? Thank you for agreeing with me on that one. Yeah. All right. So it, however you define it, that's what this is talking about, is that the role that the Spirit has is, is that now that I'm saved, now that I have that new creation that I am through Christ, right, and through what he did for me as the Redeemer, that, okay, now what, does, what is that going to look like in my life? And in what way am I being formed? In what way am I being shaped? in order to be the Christ person uh, or to reflect the Christ person that I am and the Christ person that is in me. Okay? 
I hope I got that uh, right. Good. All right. Very good. All right. So let's look at this, the scriptures here that that again, there's a sequence of the scriptures that sort of lay out this uh, connection that the Holy Spirit has to the word and the sacrament. Right. And that the role that that plays in terms of forming us in a spiritual way. So first Peter one ten to 12 says concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest greatest care to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that were followed. So what Peter's talking about is that he's reflecting on the Old Testament prophets who 500, 2,000, 1,000 years before Jesus came, particularly we think of Isaiah as the, as the chief example, is that when they, would, when they would prophesy about the coming of the Messiah, this was direct revelation that came from God's Spirit telling them to tell the people of the good news. And that was important for them to hear it because for the most part, people were isolated from their Jewish heritage. They were in exile. They were, they were off, kept having been carried off by the Babylonians and the Persians and everybody else. So, so they're needing to hear the good news. So Isaiah, looking way ahead, is saying, there's a coming Messiah, and here's what he's going to be about. What Peter's saying is, when they would prophesy those things, then the prophets themselves would say, how, how did I say that? Wow, is that going to happen right now? Or is that going to happen way in the future? That's what Peter's talking about. Okay, verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who preach the gospel to you by what? The Holy Spirit sent from heaven even angels long to look into these things. So what Peter's doing is connecting the preaching of the gospel to the Holy Spirit. That when the gospel, it, the gospel is another word for the word, okay? When the word and promises of God are preached and taught like we do here, all right? When that happens, then the Holy Spirit is at work in the hearts of people who are hearing the word. Does that make sense? Yeah. So see, there's a, there's a, the undisputed connection between word and Holy Spirit. Okay, then 1 Peter 1, 23 to 25. He says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass. See, that's better than sparrows. But anyway, <laughs> all people are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but what? The word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So the connection there is, is that in the word is the power of God's grace literally to make you into a new creation. Uh, the word here is you have been born again. See, how, how does that all happen? It doesn't just happen in a vacuum. You don't just wake up one morning and go, oh, I'm, I'm a new creation. That somehow the God's Holy Spirit has worked through the Word to make that happen in you. Okay? So there's a linkage between Word and Holy Spirit. And then finally, uh, the next one is Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through 
the word about Christ. So again, the connection of preaching, teaching, uh, being in the presence of, being uh, immersed in the word, if you want to use that terminology, okay, is that then what we have is faith now somehow being manufactured, being created in us by virtue of that. And then finally, Acts 2, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and what? You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So that's the linkage of the sacrament. We, we pull in the sacrament of, uh, of holy baptism. So again, see, the linkage here is, is that where the word is present, where the sacrament is present, there you have the Holy Spirit working. So here's the question. Is the Holy Spirit doing his thing if the word and the sacrament are not present? I'll just sip on my coffee while you contemplate that. What is he doing? If, the word, if he works through the word and the sacrament and the word and the sacrament isn't, isn't present. Okay, he's the spirit. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's part of the Trinity, omnipresent. What's he doing? Richard? I, I think it's a really subtle thing because I'm... My first reaction to your question was, well, you know, if I'm in the dining room and I'm thinking the Spirit can be present, but the more I think about that, but the Word is present there. That's what's shaping my spirit event, if you will. So, no, I think the Word has to be there. Okay. So one vote for the Word has to be there. All right. He works through others that are working through the Word and the sacrament. So he's working through others that are working, but you're saying the word and the sacrament are still present. But they come to those that aren't having the word and the sacrament. So if people who have the word and sacrament go to people who don't have the word and the sacrament, will they find any believers there among those people that didn't have the word and the sacrament? But you can change them. You can, you can bring them to the word and the sacrament. And that's what you would do. But the question I have is, would you find anybody already there who already had saving faith in Jesus if the word and the sacrament had not previously already been there? Don't you love this? This is so... I'm, I just can feel the tension in the room, and I'm loving this way too much. Let me tell you, I have a sort of perverse interest in just... Really just poking in your brain. Yeah, Nikki. Well, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was there. They didn't have the word and sacraments then. And he, was, he came upon people but left. And, but he influenced, he directed, or he implemented what God's purpose was. But then he left. It was only until we have the word and sacrament that the influence. So how does the word come to people? Is it only through written means? No, because in the Old Testament, they didn't have that. They had, not until Moses wrote it all down. So, so they had the verbal word, the verbal sharing, okay? And some would argue that the sacramental side of, in the Old Testament was wrapped up in the sacrifices and the, uh, the shedding of blood and the sprinkling of the blood and those kinds of things, okay? We could talk about that. All right, let me, let me throw out the scenario here to you that I have purposely written out for you 
And, it, you know, this will be one of those things where it can bug you all through the week. And, I, and if it does, I will have accomplished my goal today. So <laughs> a team of missionaries is sent to a remote island in the Pacific for the purpose of sharing the gospel and perhaps, perhaps starting a small church. When the missionaries arrive and begin establishing rapport with the people there, they discover that there are no Christians already living there. There are religious people who worship a form of belief in a natural God, but no believers in Jesus. Why not? Because nobody's told them. See, it's not to say that the Spirit can't show up without the Word and the sacrament being present. It's just that He doesn't. Because if, he, if we said, well, He does without the Word and the sacrament, what would be the point of Jesus saying to us, go and make disciples of all nations? Go and preach the gospel to all nations. See, one of the great mysteries of, of the way God does things is that just before Jesus left and ascended into heaven, he entrusted to us the job of sharing the gospel with others that do not know him. Well, if there's some other way for the Spirit to work without the Word and without the sacrament, then what would be the point of us doing that other than we would obey Jesus? But there would be no purpose behind it because there's already another way by which people can be saved other than uh, hearing about the, uh, Jesus through the Word. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? So it's not to say, I know we're kind of uncomfortable saying, well, the Holy Spirit can't do that. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit can't do that. What I'm saying is, is that the Holy Spirit limits himself to what he has said to us in the Word and says, he says, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to do it. Yeah, Josh. Oh, I just realized why I can't see You just realized what? When you said you see something different. Yeah. Yeah, so this, this may really be said because God will make you back, but I don't think Yeah. Are we saying the same thing? Yeah, but this is the same Okay. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. I hope that I'm still your friend after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go. Uh, we go on out on evangelism, Paul. Yeah. We run into people and we say, do you believe in God? Oh, yeah, I believe in there's a God. Sure. You That's what these people did. Do you know yeah. if you're going to heaven tonight or not? If you died tonight? Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't think anybody <laughs> Right. And then we say, Jesus did this for me. Yeah. And they go, oh, my God. So the Holy Spirit's already been there, working in your heart, letting them know that there is a God. That there is a God. Yeah, that's what's in the scenario. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Even the people on this island, the Holy Spirit prepared them somewhere or another. They may never hear about Jesus. Are they going to heaven? We don't know what. No. Scripture says, without Jesus, we're not. Right. But, and that's what we believe. Mm -hmm. But the Holy Spirit prepared them to hear this word. Yeah, you could you could argue that that the Holy Spirit sort of made it possible for that to happen, all right? But when the missionaries when when the missionaries go there, they share the gospel. That means they share the word, okay? And when you share the word, then there is the assurance that the Holy Spirit is working that word working through that word in the person's heart. Now again, it's not to say I'm not trying to say God can't. All right, I'm not saying that. Because I'm not about to say that. Uh, if I do, you know, lightning will come down. All right, but it's not that. It's just to say that we don't want to diminish at all the opportunity and the privilege and the responsibility we have to share the gospel. And we as human beings will do anything in the world except that. 
we will come up with a million reasons why we can't do that. Well, I don't know what to say. Well, I'm going to say it wrong and send people to hell. Well, I'm nervous in front of people. Well, well, and well, 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 well. Or we just say, let the pastor do it. That's why we pay him. <laughs> right? That's what we do. So we, our human nature kicks in and we come up with a million reasons why we can't do it. And the reality is, is that it's not us doing it. It's the Holy Spirit doing it. But the word is the vehicle by which he does it. That's the point. Okay. Now, could there be some other vehicle that he uses? Yeah, he just didn't tell us what it was. So we're bound to what he says. He can do what he wants, right? But but we're bound to what he says. And that's 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 where where I'm coming from that. Okay, so to sort of finish this up, the third article of the Apostles' Creed highlights the work of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. By the way, do you notice the punctuation that I put in here is from the old creed, not the new creed? Do you notice what is the, what is the punctuation that I changed? I put a colon after Holy Christian Church. In the, in the older version, the old red hymnal that we all, many of us grew up with, you know, um, is that that was the punctuation. That the, the definition of Holy Christian Church is that it is a communion of saints, right? In the newer versions, you'll notice they put a comma there instead. Just irritates me every time we get to that part. <laughs> That's another one of those little things where I, you know, I can't get it out of my head. Stop messing with the creed. Okay. So Martin Luther's explanation of the third article goes into greater detail about the work of the Spirit. So let's read this together. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with His gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith, even as He calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith in which Christian church he daily and richly forgives all sins to me and all believers and will at the last day raise me up and all the dead and to me and all believers in Christ eternal life. This is most certainly true. I had to, uh, I had to do that one when I got confirmed, you know, in the, uh, what was that, the examination Sunday? Yeah, I, I, I had it all set up where I wouldn't have to do that. And then this one guy in front of me, he froze up and he didn't know what, you know, because you're in front of 500 people in the congregation, he froze up. And so then my dad just skipped him and came to me. And, and so I had to do this. So this one is very dear to me, but it also, I get sort of heart palpitations <laughs> whenever, whenever I read this one as well. All right, so let's pull this apart a little bit in greater detail. So what we're saying and, and this is our lens, okay, this isn't everybody's lens, but I'm just saying this is our lens, right? Is that I cannot by my own reason or strength. Because we're born in the condition of sin, capitals, prior to committing conscious sins, right? We cannot free ourselves from sin on our own. Even though by nature we are aware of our sin condition, we do not possess the desire for a Savior, our natural instinct is to try to remedy the problem ourselves, doing good deeds, punishing ourselves through pain and sacrifice, etc. 
The core problem is that we are by nature unholy. And unholy people cannot bond with the holy God unless the holy God changes unholy people into holy people. The holy God accomplished that by sending his son Jesus to be the savior of the unholy to be the savior the unholy people needed. Trusting in Jesus as savior and lord creates us in us a new heart of faith thus making the unholy holy. Does that does that make sense? Okay. So then if I can't do it by my own reason or strength then what happens the holy spirit does what he calls me by the gospel. So the gospel holds the power of God offering the new the gift of new life, forgiveness and salvation. Remaining bonded to the word, continuously fed by it, provides the daily spiritual nourishment that faith needs to grow into a more mature form as Josh was pointing out earlier. The Holy Spirit keeps me in the true faith by teaching us to discern spiritual truth from the shifting winds of false teaching by strengthening faith through testing, and by comforting and consoling in times of loss or hardship. Okay? So see, the Holy Spirit is God's gift to us. We're just trying to kind of figure out what that looks like, and then how do we discern the, the truth of things from the shifting winds of all the different beliefs in the whole world about what people believe is the truth about the Holy Spirit. Okay, does that make sense? So are you looking forward to this? Well, good. There's at least one or two of us that are. That's very good. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be fun. Now, did somebody write that down for me? Did you write that down? Okay, great. Because if you could, could you give that to me like after class? Because I'll start, you know, thinking about it. Okay, very good. Well, let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for all the different ways that your spirit works through the word and through the sacraments in our lives. Help us not ever to take that for granted. Help us, help us to really cherish that and be grateful for that. And then be mindful of the different ways that we have the opportunity to share the word with others. Not because we're better than people, not because we know more, not any of that. We just want simply to give people the opportunity to hear about you, the love you have for us, the grace that is available to us, and the way in which you change lives. So watch over us this week, dear Lord, as we go our separate ways until we're together again. And we pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.